I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. As always, it's Ian Mendes and Haley Salvian in the leadoff spot for you to kick off your week in the National Hockey League. Up ahead on this show, we'll chat about Austin Matthews and Brady Kachuk, uh, both getting set to make their season debuts this week. We'll also talk about uh, some more injury concerns maybe around Nikita Kucherov and we'll ask if uh, people are going to be... St- kind of rolling their eyes if the Tampa Star is on long-term injured reserve. We'll ask you some questions too, like, is it time to get rid of the hard salary cap after the Toronto Maple Leafs almost stepped into one on the weekend? And should Red Wings uh, young star Philip Zadina face discipline for his controversial comments following a game against the Vancouver Canucks? And we'll wrap it up as we always do with a little multiple choice badness and uh, we'll get some maybe some uh, way too early answers for which team should be uh, maybe hitting the panic button and what do we think about Sunday games in the NHL so we got a lot to get to here Haley in the next hour or so I gotta ask you this because I loved listen you're you're very active on social media and you kind of let the world in on the fact that you you took uh, your dog Bono on a roadie up highway, it's highway two, right? That goes between Calgary and Edmonton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Highway two, and you roll into Edmonton for the season opener. You got to give our listeners the behind the scenes of your first road trip of the season and then getting your dog to ride shotgun. Yeah. So I don't know. It wasn't a super unique thing for me. I bring my dog everywhere. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I live alone. Uh, Bono's here with me in Calgary and, you know, I, I could get a dog sitter and he, uh, you know, I have one who's great. We did a little meet and greet last week, just knowing, you know, I'm going to be on the road a bit more this season. I can't bring him everywhere. So let's get a sitter. Uh, and I just thought my hotel was pet friendly. It's only a three hour drive. Bono loves the car. Um, 
you know, so I just decided to bring him with me and we had a nice little weekend in Edmonton. We went for some long walks on the river. Um, he always rides shotgun. Um, because if he goes in the back seat, I can't see if he's like going to get sick or if he can't, if he needs water, et cetera. So it's just more easy for me when I'm alone in the car to have him in the front seat so I can just make sure that that he's okay and I can put the air conditioning like right on him and he can be all happy. But he loves the car. He loves to travel. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's not a super glamorous behind-the-scenes story. You know, it's just kind of a regular occurrence for me to just go everywhere with my dog. Maybe that's weird, but... No, no, but so does... Like, my like, child. <laughs> if you go to cover the flames on a week-long road trip. Does the He'll dog come a, with you? We'll get, oh, you, you'll get... No, because okay. he can't fly. So um, for those who don't know, my dog Bono is a French bulldog. So they're like the flat nose, like uh, brachial. I don't know if I said that right. Brachial dogs. And that any kind of short-nosed animal, a dog, excuse me, is not allowed under the cargo on airplanes because they can't breed down there. It's It's really hard for them. So they're banned from the cargo in most major airlines. And Bono is a little bit too chunky to meet the weight requirement to be in the cabin. Plus the, the dog approved, airline approved dog carriers for them to be in the cabin are tiny. Like it's, it's, it would be cruel to shove him in this little thing on an airplane for God knows how long. So uh, anything that is, you know, not drivable, Bono will have a really lovely dog sitter who will take care of him and Bono will go to her house and not be alone and, and just kind of hang out for, you know, if it's a week-long trip, he'll hang out there for a week and and she'll send me pictures every day so I can see that he's, like, having fun and stuff. And are you, like, you named this dog after, like, you're that, are you a fan of you too? I don't even know this. Okay, so... <laughs> I was, when I was a kid, I remember I had a, um, all the rate, I had a karaoke player. It was like the, the greatest thing ever, a little set with the CDs and the two microphones on the side. It was the best. And one of the first records I remember playing in this little karaoke machine was the um, U2 album that had like, It's a Beautiful Day. And so I used to just play that on repeat. So we did, I did listen to a lot of U2 when I was a kid, but no, I, I got Bono from a breeder. <laughs> I don't even know if this is I'm <laughs> the breeder named him Bono. And I was like, no, I don't like that. So <laughs> instead of changing his name completely, I just changed the pronunciation. So it was the same spelling, but she just enunciated funny. I was like, I don't, I don't like that. So he became Bono. But everyone always asked me about you too. So I really should just say, yeah, I freaking love you too. Do you remember Love that ran, random story? And it was Sam Gagne, right? Or was it? Or, no, sorry, not Sam Gagne. Who was it? Uh, je, oh my gosh, why am I blanking here? I'll, I'll look it up as we speak. Remember What's when? The story? Bo remember when Bono got stranded in Vancouver and ended up? Was it Gilbert Brule? Sorry, it was Gilbert Brule. I don't know why I was thinking. Do you remember know. this story? Okay, so as we speak live on the Athletic Hockey Show here, I'm gonna I'm gonna be Google searching. Uh, this is a hilarious story involving Gilbert Brule and U2 frontman Bono. Okay, so this is from like 10 years ago. And uh, and this is when Gilbert Brule was playing with the Oilers. And he lived in Vancouver. 
And you know how police always tell you, like, don't pick up hitchhikers. Like, don't ever do it, right? right? But Gilbert yeah. Brule was driving in West Vancouver, and he sees a guy on the side of the road, and guy needed a ride. It was Bono. Oh, my God. This is in the pre-Uber days, clearly. And Gilbert yeah. Brule of the, of the Oilers, who grew up, I guess, has the Vancouver connection, picked up Bono. And gave him a ride, and then Bono gives him a shout out in the uh, at the concert. I think that night in Vancouver, like thanks, oh Gilbert Brule. Like, do you, oh, have I you hope not he heard got that tickets story? for that. No, I've never heard. Yeah, that. that's it's so a funny. totally rando story. Like, uh, that's like the hilarious. Great, the great assist, the Gilbert Brule's greatest assist was actually was uh, off the ice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, everyone always asks me that, so I should just say, yeah, like you two rocks. I have one friend. It's very funny, actually. Um, do you, do you remember when Apple did this weird thing where you just like everyone got U 2s new yes. album downloaded yeah. on their phone? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You had no choice. So what? <laughs> everyone just got their new album, and so one of my good friends we used to work together in Oshawa, his name's Joe. Uh, he thinks he's really hilarious because you know he's like you know Bono, I love you, but I'm never gonna forgive you for forcing that. Your stupid album on my cell phone. Never going to forgive you for that. So Joe doesn't like my dog because okay. of something that human Bono did. Human Bono. With Apple Music. With that random, that album that everyone just got. <laughs> did any, that nobody, like, did anyone listen to it? I didn't. Nobody I was like, asked for it. Yeah. And you couldn't delete it. It was like. No, it was yeah. just there. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, yeah. this is how you piss people off. By yeah. forcing this album. Don't do that. No. Never again. Exactly. All right. Hey, listen, I, I tossed this question out on Twitter and I want to get your take because we kind of finished the first week of the regular season. And look, some teams like the one you cover, the Calgary Flames, have only played one game. Other teams, Seattle and you know Pittsburgh, there's uh, Chicago, I think. There's been teams that have played three games. So there's a little bit of a yeah. moving target here. But the question I asked on Twitter was, it's an old fill in the blank. Okay. So after the first week of the regular season, the biggest surprise in the NHL is blank. What is Haley Salvian's answer to that question? Biggest surprise, first week of the NHL season is what? Ooh, I, I was looking at some of the fill in the blanks and a lot of them are great. Um, I think one of the, I think a lot of people are surprised about the Sabres. Yeah. Uh, I just totally. think... We as hockey people in general just spent so much time ripping on how terrible this team's going to be. Um, they're never going to win a game, et cetera. And and you know they're they're two and zero. Oh. I I think I think that we have to, you know, look at who they've played against. Um, one was against Arizona, who everyone assumed was going to be really bad as well, and a Montreal team who's in this, you know, <laughs> suddenly uh, like. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, I don't even want to call it a period of transition because, you know, they they went to the final, they lost some pieces. Um, Carrie Price is, is you know, taking care of himself right now, which is the utmost importance. But so I don't really know how to classify the Montreal Canadiens. You know, maybe a period of transition or is the right term, but I don't know. I just don't think we anyone expected the Sabres to start their season two and zero. I found Montreal starting 0-3 a little bit surprising. Um, one of the ones that really got me was the Kings aren't the, the Kings are one and one, but Kopitar and Drew Doughty yeah. 
what the heck's happening there? Kopitar has four goals, seven points in two games. Drew Doughty has five assists, one goal, six points in two games. Like these guys yeah. are just throwing it back. And the like Kings, you know, I didn't know how long the Kings would take to take a step after they added some of the pieces that they did this off season. Um, but they've looked pretty good. Um, so the Kings have been a bit of a surprise, but you know, more specifically Kopitar and Drew Doughty just kind of having a throwback, you know, opening two games of the season. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, the one for me and Chicago defensively right. has been a train wreck and you figure, you know, you, you add the reigning Vesna trophy winner, you sign Seth Jones to a massive contract. You would think that that end of the ice would conceivably uh, be a little bit more stabilized. And I, I know that Seth Jones has his detractors, uh, but, you know, Flurry has struggled. <laughs> yeah, but Chicago has really struggled. Like, that That one yeah. for me is big. But then on the opposite end, here's Pittsburgh, no Crosby, no Malkin, yeah. and Haley, like, they're scoring goals at will without these two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so And they've won two of their first three games. I think they got points, right, yeah. in all three games. So that's a, that's a team that's been uh, a little bit surprising for, for me off the – off the hop is yeah. that uh, that Pittsburgh has been pretty good. Yeah, and I think what I've I watched um I've watched two of the Penguins games and I think what I liked about them is they're you know they're scoring by committee, they're getting goals from up and down the lineup uh which is what you need when you're down, you know, two of, you know, two of the two best players on your team when they're both out at the same time. So, um that's great for the Penguins because if if they can get that kind of depth in secondary scoring when Crosby and Malkin are back. Um, I, I know it's early. It's only been a few games and, and, you know, how sustainable is that kind of secondary scoring up and down the lineup? I don't know. Um, but if that is something that they can sustain and they can sustain that kind of offense and pressure and, um, you know, it's <laughs> then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, maybe their window hasn't slammed shut if they're doing this well right now. Again, it's early. Um, that's always the disclaimer with this kind of stuff. But, um, I think a lot of people were, were assuming that this was going to be a really difficult start to the season for the Penguins. And, um, it's a testament to the players, but you know, it also seems like it's a, it's a real testament to Mike Sullivan and and his ability to coach without those two guys and, and, you know, adjust and make things work when you have two gaping holes, uh, on your roster. And can we give a little shout out too to the Columbus Blue Jackets? I mean, mm-hmm. I think Buffalo is getting a ton of attention because I think everybody kind of had their tweets saved already. Like, oh my gosh, the Sabres have already lost more games than the Bills or whatever. Like everyone was ready to mock the Sabres. Buffalo's won two in a row to start the season, which is awesome. And they've been great defensively. But how about Columbus, Haley? They're another team that a lot of people figured would be uh, hanging in the, the, in the Yeah, hanging in the basement. They beat the Kraken mm-hmm. in overtime. I, I I love these stories where, and Ottawa would be another one. They've won two games. Buffalo's won two mm-hmm. games. Columbus has won two games. Like the teams that you think are going to be bad, it's always cool for those fan bases to just like even if even if they're not going to make the playoffs, like just string them along a little. Like don't take their hope away in October, yeah. right? Like that's what I like. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what's maybe a little bit worrisome for a team like Montreal having a slow start the way that they have and. You know, again, this isn't the priority, but I think there were some, you know, what happens when when you get certain players back or if Carey Price comes back. I mean, what kind of hole are you going to be trying to dig yourselves out of? 
later in the season. It's October. It's three games. We know that. But three games can quickly turn into way more very fast and, and the hole that you're in can get even bigger. Um, I mean, the New York Islanders are 0-2 as well. I, yeah. I wouldn't really panic about that yet because when you look at the teams they're playing against, like they lost to Carolina and the Panthers. So it's not like they're losing to Arizona and Buffalo. They're, they lost two games to two good teams. Uh, Don't be putting Buffalo in that category anymore. I they're, know. They're a powerhouse. But I think the goal differential is maybe a bit troubling for for the Islanders. You got 11 goals against and only four goals for. That's not great. That's not the Barry Trotz Islanders style, letting in that many goals against. So. I thought the Detroit game, um, the seven six overtime game, their their opener was was a great game to watch too. So great. Um four goals for Tyler Batuzzi and and you know, they they blew that lead and Tampa came back and won. But you know, that's gotta be great for I know they lost, but that's gotta be great for Red Wings fans who have just been going through the throes of this rebuild for so long to open your season and push the back to back Stanley Cup champions to the brink. Um that's a game where you're like, oh, I, you know, I'm happy for Red Wings fans who got to to watch that. But there's been a lot of surprises. Um, I saw Even one Winnipeg. of the fill in the blanks. Yeah. yeah. Winnipeg's only They haven't two. won yet. Yeah. And that's a team that a lot of people um, think are, you know, one of the better teams in Canada is the Winnipeg Jets. When you look at their center depth and you look at their goaltending, um, they haven't won yet. Uh, one of the fill in the blanks that I saw – Someone said just Brandon Tanev. Yeah. And yeah. he's got three goals in the first three yes. games of the Kraken. But I'm not surprised. Like, I'm a huge fan. Like, I I love yeah. this guy's game. And and he's really he's an interesting player to me, not just because he seems like a maniac. Like some of the clips that we saw from him last season, like the one where he was chirping the guy from the bench. Uh, and I, I think it was Zucker, who was sitting next to him, just like dying, laughing, like listening to the the spiel coming out of his mouth. Um, and he enunciates, so you can very clearly read his lips. Um, and the, and the <laughs> I think he like had a freak out and he was pumped up and he was like hitting Sidney Crosby on the bench because he was so excited. Like this guy just seems great in the room on the ice. I'm a huge Brandon Tana fan. Um, but he's really interesting to me because he's one of those players that the anti-analytics community kind of likes to talk about because, like, you can't measure what Brandon Tanev brings to the table. And analytics don't capture this. It's like, actually, his underlying numbers are very strong. Like, he has a good puck possession. Like, he he drives play. He's a solid player. Like, the analytics and the eye test both suggest that Brandon Tanev – is a, is a useful player. I, I know he was in more of a depth role in Pittsburgh, but you know it's it's awesome to see him taking these steps and playing really well for the Kraken at first. Okay, hold on. Let me just Google Brandon Tanev eye test and see what comes up. Because you know that if you just type in Brandon Tanev eyes, you know what's going to come up, right? The ghost. There you go. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Did yeah. you know that that's actually the he- like? I thought when they tweeted the the Kraken tweeted the like headshot of him doing it again. I thought it was a joke. That's his headshot on the NHL website. Yeah, I know. I know. I, they I, used I, it I love again. That, it's not I the love, same. I, no, I love it. It's not it. the like, same. The other no, one was I know. organic. The, the, it was like, the other one the was original, happened? but I like it. Like that's his thing. Like nobody else in the league can do that now. Like that's his thing. That's his shtick. This is his thing. It's so funny. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Now, let's kind of tee up the week coming up, Haley, because we're, uh, like I said, off the top, we're in the leadoff spot. Uh, Two big returns coming up in the National Hockey League this week, both in the same uh, province of Ontario. Let's start with this one. Austin Matthews set to come Mm -hmm. back after missing uh, the start of the season. Now, Austin Matthews underwent surgery in the offseason on his wrist. Uh, They've been patient with him. He is set to come back Monday against the New York Rangers. Here's the question I'll ask you, Haley, because circumstances have prevented Austin Matthews from getting to the 50 goal plateau uh, in the past. Like there was the uh, 2019-2020 season was the pandemic. He had 47 goals, season shut down. He certainly felt like he would have got to 50. And then last year in a 56 game season, he scored 41 times and certainly would have gotten to 50 goals. Mm -hmm. So as he misses the first couple of games of the season, and we're not sure about his health, if I'm asking you right now, what's your confidence level that Austin Matthews gets the 50 goals this season? What's your answer? I'm comfortable saying that he does. Um, you know, I think the injury and how his wrist is, is the ultimate wild card. You know, is this actually going to be behind him? Because we saw the dip in his play when the wrist injury was bothering him, especially in the in the playoffs. Like he was playing on this uh, injury, forgive me, I, I don't know exactly how long, but like we saw some of the effects of that. He he sat out for some practices, et cetera. Like it was something that was kind of lingering for Austin Matthews. And, and you could always tell when it was bothering him because the release just wasn't the same. And um, it, you could just tell that something was off. So that's the ultimate wild card is the wrist is how is he going to bounce back from this? Um, you know, I think the fact that he had surgery to repair it, he's had this recovery time. I think if he comes back healthy, I don't see why he won't score 50 goals. Um, Like you said, his last two seasons, I mean, so technically he was on pace for 65 goals in an 82-game season in 2019-20. He would have hit 50, like 47 47 goals in in 52 games. Is that right? No. No, no, he had 47. Excuse me, 47 goals in 70 games. He would have hit 50. Like you got 12 more games, score three goals. He was going to hit 50 goals. Um, and, and the year before that, he was last season. That's, you know, uh, I guess 40, 41 goals in 52 is like a 55 goal pace. Six, six, no, that, 65. Last year he was on pace for 65 right. goals. Last year was 65. 2019 yeah. 20 was 55 goals. Yeah. At an 82 game pace. So, like, this is a player it. who's, yeah, like, this is a player who's shown the last two years that he can get there. And, he had a high shooting percentage the last two years. I think it's important we say that. Um, but it wasn't crazy high. Like his, 
it wasn't crazy high to the point where it's like this is completely unsustainable for Austin Matthews because his career average is around 18% or 16%, excuse me. Last year's shooting percentage was like 18%. So that's only 2% points higher than his career average. And over his you know career span, his shooting percentage has ranged between 14 and 18%. So it, yeah. it, it, to say, you know, oh, it's an unsustainable shooting percentage, I don't think that's accurate. It's, it's not like he jumped from 11% to 22%. Um, you know, he's in that range. And it's always tough because scoring goals is the hardest thing to do in the National Hockey League. But I think he's shown through his career that he, he can do that. And the last couple of years, he's certainly shown that he has the ability to score 50 yeah. Scoring goals, you say, is the hardest thing to do in the National Hockey League, Haley. Some people would argue signing a long-term contract with the Ottawa Senators <laughs> might be the hardest thing to do in the National Hockey League. So to quote Michael Scott, though, I'm going to say, ah, how the turntables have, well, because you know what? We're going to let you. Turned. That's right. How the turntables have turned. Yes, that's right. You're going to yeah. get to fire some Brady Kachuk questions my way here. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm in the left seat now. Chair to the left. I don't know how. Chair to the left. Not... Yeah. Chair to the left. It's me. Camera it's my left. show now. That's right. Cam- it's my show now, and I'm not going to ask about Brady. What? No. It's going <laughs> I'm just going to go rogue. I'm yeah. going to go rogue and just start talking about my dog for the next 35 minutes. Uh, he's sleeping right now. It's really cute. No. Um, okay. So this is great. I mean, I, for me, when we're talking about the fill in the blank stuff. I, I was going to say one of the biggest surprises so far to me was Brady Kachuk's contract. Yeah. Signs for seven years um, at an 8.2 and change million per year. Um, we see the way that the contract's loaded. Um, he's going to start making like 10.5 in the middle once escrow goes down. Um, how surprised were you, Ian, especially considering we all assumed that this was going to be a bridge deal? Yeah. Uh, no, I was uh, capital S shocked. Because I mm-hmm. just didn't think it was going to happen. I thought in my mind, this is going to be a bridge deal. We saw it with Matthew in Calgary. We've seen it with some other clients of Newport Sports that they like to kind of get that bridge and, and get the leverage. So this is a, this was a great day for Ottawa fans. And I think, you know, for all of the hand-wringing that has gone on in this market about the exodus of star players, now it's really hard to complain. Like, what do you have to complain about now? If you're an Ottawa fan from a roster retention perspective, you've locked Mm -hmm. down Drake Batherson for six years. You've locked down Thomas Shabbat for another seven years. And now you've got Brady Kachuk for seven years. So all of the guys that they said they were going to sign, they've signed. But here's Mm -hmm. the interesting thing, Haley. And this is, I want to paint this picture for our listeners on the athletic hockey show. Now there was only one game on the NHL schedule on Sunday. And that was Ottawa at home to Dallas. The announced attendance last night in Ottawa was 8,067 people. I want to hammer home the fact that we have the ability to have full capacity here. So, you know, go ahead and insert your 50% capacity jokes if you want to, but they had the ability to have everybody in the stands and there was 8,000 people, which as I went back and looked at my notes, I believe that might be the lowest attendance ever for an Ottawa game. I could be wrong, but... I looked at the last five or six years, couldn't find anything lower. So here's the big test, Haley, coming up for this week. And this is what I love about our show is we get to kind of set up what's coming up for the week ahead. I want our listeners to circle the game on Thursday night because it's the return of Eric Carlson. 
to Ottawa. And, you know, that always has a little bit of juice to it. But it'll be the first game that Brady Kachuk plays with his seven-year contract kind of tucked underneath his arm. This is your chance, if you're an Ottawa fan, to come out and celebrate. It's almost fitting that the old captain is in town when the guy who's likely going to be the new captain is getting set to start. My question is, what do we need to set the over-under on the attendance? And what's the number that would be alarming for hockey fans in general? Like if I told you, Haley, 11,500 people showed up to see uh, Brady Kachuk's first game, would that be concerning? Would that be alarming? Like, I want to know from our listeners, what's the number that you'd be like, uh-oh, that's a yeah, bit of a problem. this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was in Ottawa, I remember Chris Stevenson and I, when we did our 10 bold predictions, we did something about, like, attendance is going to go up. And at that point, they were last in the league in attendance, and it was hovering around 12,000 average per game. Um, so if, if the, for me... If you, that's the, that's the over under point is like the average fans over the last few years, which would be like, you know, 1200. Yeah, I guess I would say 12,000 fans. Let's just put it at 12,000. If you're not getting more than the average game for Brady Kachuk's first game back, it, it's, it's indicates a bigger problem than just signing players. And I think we know that, um, the the relationship with with fans and the, and the team is, I got you know, I called it complicated once and I just got <laughs> ripped into. But it it is it it's very black and white, but it's also complicated. We don't have all the time in the world to get into that relationship, so that's no, why I just no. use the blanket statement of complicated. But um, if you can't sell more than your average amount of tickets for for a game like that, for a player like that, for Carlson coming back, like. You've really got to start looking at some stuff there if you already haven't. A lot of it's probably the location of that arena. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, it is. And I, I like it. It's how, a little you bit. Know, you know, Senators fans, like the majority of them would would set their relationship status to it's complicated for sure with the team. Like it's, yeah. it, but, but if your number one complaint with the team was their inability to retain star players, I think that narrative, unfortunately, for those detractors, is out the window. Like you can't yeah, say, yeah, it's gotta be gone. Like it's gone. It's dead. Like they've they've done it. They've kept. Yeah. Batherson, Kachuk, and Shabbat are three young stars who are all here for the long term. So you Even gotta Colin take. White, I I know yeah. he's not on the same level, but for sure. they, they locked him in too. They locked him in. So you don't get to to say that. Like I feel like that's an old narrative that has been somewhat, yeah. uh, you know, blown up. So. What's going on? Yeah. But again, like you said, it's complicated. I'm going to give it the rest of this homestand. They got a game against San Jose, the Rangers, Washington. You know, after those three or four games, if we're talking about numbers that people would think are in some other market, I think there might be a, a story to, at, at play. So certainly that's a, one of the stories that the fans should look for uh, this week, I think, in the National Hockey League. Another one, Haley, and this one is interesting, okay? Because... Philip Zadina, look, the Vancouver-Detroit game turned out to be a little spicier than than we mm -hmm. thought. You know, Vancouver-Detroit don't really... Actually, the only thing I think of, and tell me if you remember this, this is super old school, okay? Like, I, I don't even want to guess how old you were because it's going to be yeah, embarrassing for me. Yeah, do you forget me. my age? So, like 2002... Let's see where you're going. <laughs> 2002, Vancouver okay. and Detroit played in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Detroit was like a super 
heavyweight, Stanley Cup favorite. They had Hoshik and like, you know, Shanahan and Iserman and Hull. And they were this locked and loaded team. And Vancouver was this upstart team with the young Sedin twins. And Vancouver wins the first two games of that series. But I'll always remember Brian Burke was the GM of uh, Vancouver at the time. And he went on an absolute unreal tirade on the podium about the way that his young players were being treated. I think he said something along the lines of, Sedin is Swedish for you can punch me in the head and hold. Like, it was crazy. Vancouver ends up blowing that series. They lose it. They lose four games in a row. Canucks fans will remember Dan Cloutier's uh, goal that he let in from center ice. Anyway, I thought the Vancouver-Detroit rivalry was dead until this weekend. I want our listeners to to listen to this. Detroit forward Philip Zadina. Listen to his comments after the game about an altercation he had with Canucks forward Connor Garland. I'm uh, I'm okay. I just uh, went chase the puck and I uh, was reaching for the puck and he just uh, I don't know reverse hit me I guess and and uh, I mean you know like the midget like he is it's uh, it's pretty it's, it's pretty like I mean normal you know that he's uh, reverse hit because I don't think he's that strong enough to just uh, battle me in a corner like one on one and he just did like uh, that stupid hit, but uh, it is what it is. Probably how the person uh, he is on the ice. So okay, Haley. So obviously, the comment that uh, that is uh, drawing a lot of ire there is is Philip Sedina, you know, referring to Connor Garland in a very derogatory way, using a word that I think, quite frankly, has been removed from our lexicon here in North America. Is there a, uh, I guess, I don't know what the word here. Do a free pass, a pass an excuse for somebody whose first language is not English, who grew up mm-hmm. in another culture that maybe you don't know, um, you know, that, that, that yeah. word isn't to be used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough because I don't, I don't know what the culture would be. And, and I'm not sure what other way a different culture would use that term. Um, you know, the context of the statement that he made I don't know how else to read into it that he was making a comment about Garland's size and, you know, in a, in a negative way. Um, I'm not going to give a free pass. I can understand if this is something where they're saying, like, this is not his, like, native tongue. Like, he doesn't get it. it you know, he, it was a lost in translation moment. Um, but it's also tough. Like, it, it's hard to, to, to hear those kind of things. And I think it's probably just a lot of it's probably just how it's hard to justify this kind of stuff when we're consistently having conversations on this show, on different shows about, um, language, hand gestures, behaviors, um, that are not inclusive in this sport. So it's hard in the body of work of what's been happening in the game for years to hear that and not just be like, Oh, come like again, like we have to talk, like we have to talk about this stuff again because people like, and we're always going to use our platform. I I don't mean that in a way of like, God, I'm talking about this. We're always going to use our platform, but it's hard to justify comments like that when, you know, I don't know what other way he would mean it. Um, Yeah. But you know, what's interesting is remember like for years, hockey Canada used the, the term midget to describe uh, an age group of players, right? Like for years we had what Pee Wee, Adam, Bantam and midget in this country. And about a year ago, 
Hockey Canada said, you know, we shouldn't be using the term midget to, you know, now now we're going to go with like kind of U, U10, 12, 14, right? We're going to go by age group. But for the longest yeah. time, Haley, that was a term that was freely used by Hockey Canada up until about a year ago. So yeah, it's going but, to take some but, time, I think, to remove it from everybody's language. Right. And I think I do have a little bit more room for understanding for somebody who didn't grow up here in Zadina. I do. For sure. But I'd like to think that somebody would go and talk to him and say, you know, you shouldn't use that term. And here's why. And let's use it as a teachable yeah. moment for other younger players. But it's for sure. It's like you said, it's a, it, it, it's, it's one of those things it's here. Like hard. you'd like to think people know better, but maybe people don't yeah. always know better. That's all. Yeah. My arg- my counter argument to the the midget and the major midget hockey reference, um, if this is an age thing that Zadina was, you know, oh, exactly. saying yeah, for sure, like he's younger. Zadina is younger than Connor Garland. Like, so you know, you're, you're saying it is an age group thing. Like he's 25 years old, you're 21. That you know, again, it, it, you hope for the best from people. Maybe I'm just you know getting old and cranky. Um, obviously you hope that it was just a, a, a lost in translation moment. Um, but that's just not something that it should be said. I, I just don't know how to, to justify that other than saying, like, I hope it was just a, a, a mistake that he didn't yeah. understand that he made. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise again, it's just like, you know, why would you say that? <laughs> yeah. You just hope it's a teachable moment for, uh, for the yes. young man. Okay. So yeah, Exactly. Let's move on to this because I thought this was quite the scene. And you know what? Social media had a blast with this when the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday, Haley, uh, had a little bit of a crisis on their hands with the salary cap. They were forced to dress goaltender Alex Bishop as their backup goalie on Saturday. If you don't know the name Alex Bishop, it's because he's a college goalie. Goes to the University of Toronto. Why did the Leafs have to do this? Because they were up against the cap. Peter Morasic hurt his groin. They literally had no choice but to sign a rando goalie off the street because they just couldn't <laughs> fit this into the cap. The Maple Leafs, of course, are probably the most financially uh, sound team in all of the National Hockey League. But they are mm-hmm. constrained by the salary cap. And it brought up yeah. a really interesting point. Uh, you know, Alan Walsh, a prominent agent who's never shy about his opinion, said, it's time for us to get rid of the hard salary cap. Carlo Koliakovo, mm-hmm. who I really respect. I love Carlo. I think he does a great job as a radio host in Toronto and on yeah. television. He was in the same boat. And I know that there's a lot of people saying, oh, suck it up, Leafs. It's sour grapes. Yeah. Where do you yeah. stand on this, though, on a big picture? Would you like to see the NHL get rid, I'm not saying of the salary cap in total, but the hard cap, and maybe move towards more of a a softer cap where if you go over the threshold, you're going to have to pay into a system or you're going to have to pay a penalty. Yeah, well, I think just to maybe start with the Leaf stuff, uh, James Myrtle had a piece this morning that kind of helped make sense of everything. So what the Leafs actually did, and, and this is one of the things where you talk about the Leafs being one of the more financially sound, if the most financially sound team, um, not only that, but they they just have so much committed to like capologists and Brandon Pridham is, you know, so, so smart at this kind of thing. And, and what they did in calling up that backup goaltender, um, I don't have the exact rules in front of me from the CBA, but what they did essentially is he was on an amateur contract that did not pay him a salary, which 
they, it was a game of chicken with their backup goalie, essentially, because they were so tight to the cap. You know, if yeah. something happened, there was an injury, you're throwing this kid in. But what they did with that, and it worked because Jack Campbell didn't get hurt. They, they won the game, and it was fine. But what they did with that is they opened up the opportunity to use a roster emergency exemption. So after that game, they were able to call up Michael Hutchinson for free. So, I mean, Hutch is still going to get paid, but he is now not going to count against the cap because of this roster emergency exemption that the Leafs cap guys know about, use to their advantage, et cetera. So it's this really complicated thing that it's only happening because we're in this hard salary cap and it's been flat. Um, and, you know, teams are right up against it. And, and one of the things Myrtle went into in his story is like, if you look at the league, I think it's about 15 teams right now are projected to be dipping into LTIR and technically above the salary cap this year. And like teams are up against it more than ever. Um, you know, cap space has become more valuable than players in some instances. We've seen that um, with with certain trades and, and you know, player values yep. going down and all crazy. So bringing it back to the conversation of the a hard cap versus like a soft cap or a luxury tax, I'm non-committal on it, but I think it's a really interesting conversation. Like I think that would be a great story to get into one day. Like it, it's a good conversation to have on the podcast. I think you could make a really good pros and cons list for this. Yeah. Like I, I get it. I get it on both sides. Like you, you want to have the parody in the league. So you bring in the, the hard cap. That's why they, one of the reasons they said they did it in 2005 and to, you know, I think the league has grown in revenue and scope under the hard cap since 2005. There's, you know, there's no question to say that the league has grown since 2005, but it's hard to know, would the league be better off now if in 2005 they went for a soft cap and luxury tax? Like it's, it's hard to know. Um, yeah. cause the ML we've talked about this before MLB doesn't have a hard cap and you know, that opens up the thing of like, yeah, it's cause they're the Yankees. They can buy whatever they want. Um, the way that the luxury tax would go is that the money would filter back to the smaller market teams as well. So that's kind of an unfair argument to make, but I don't know. I, I think, and I'm rambling, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but I, I think. The cap from an agent and player standpoint, I've seen Alan Walsh tweet about this before. From a player and a player representative standpoint, a hard cap is essentially designed to sign players for below market value. So if you're a pro player person, a hard cap sucks because think of how much money Connor McDavid could be making if it was a soft cap or a luxury tax situation. Um, he could be making way more money and he's, you know, the best player in the world making the most money, but he's still technically below market value for what he provides. Um, I think it's unfortunate with the hard cap that teams can do everything right from top to bottom. We look at the Tampa Bay lightning, they draft well, they develop well, they have good pro and amateur scouts. They make good trades. <laughs> they have good coaches. Their players are great. They do everything right. <laughs> to become the best team in the league and they lose their entire third line because they can't afford them because of the hard cap. And, and that's, yeah. that's the, that's the shitty thing about the hard cap is like I said, teams can do everything right <laughs> from start to finish to build the team that they want. They can build the dynasty 
Um, and then they still have to churn players out because they're up against this hard cap that's been set since 2005. So I get it from both sides. I, I just, I'm so noncommittal. It, it's just hard to know if it would work. Okay, so tell me if you like this. I've always been a proponent of this idea, which is kind of a a, a, a middle ground. And and like, I, look at some of the bottom feeding, uh, bottom spending teams. Sorry, like the Ottawa's yeah. and the Buffaloes. So those teams are sitting on like fifteen million dollars of cap room that they're not using. Right. I've always been a proponent, Haley, that those teams should be allowed to trade their available yeah. cap space. So let's say you're Ottawa <laughs> and you're sitting there. And you've got 17 million. What if you went to Toronto and you're like, I'll give you 7 million of cap space. You give me two second round picks or you get whatever it is. I, I, I'm just throwing yeah. that out there as, as some arbitrary thing. But now sure. you're allowing that, that money that is dead and not being used in the ecosystem. It's just sitting there. Now it can be used. And now you can't like, I've always felt yeah. like you can use cap space as a weapon. But what if you... We're allowed to literally trade it instead of yeah. trading these weird ass like I'm going to trade Players. you Brent Seabrook, who's uh, basically <laughs> duct taped together and like no like let's yeah. make an actual hockey trade with the yeah. space that we have available. I think that would be a really cool compromise. I don't know that <laughs> it's it creative, go for it, but <laughs> I would like to see that and and I get it and, and I know you don't want to get to a point where like you you know we're Although I always think before we had the salary cap, the New York Rangers every year would be like, we're going out, we're bringing in Eric Lindros and Pavel Bure and Peter Nedved or whoever. Like, it didn't work. The Maple Leafs used to do that too. Joe Neuendijk and Gary Roberts and Alex McGillney and Ed Belfour. They never won the cup. Like, it's not that the teams that were spending a ton, yeah, did give you a good chance. But a lot of those teams, the Detroits and Colorados, they did draft and develop a lot of their players yeah. and then they sort of supplement. It wasn't like just some team. The teams that just had blank checks and were trying to build teams like the Rangers and Leafs, they didn't get anything. They never won yeah. anything. So that that would be my only point too is that let's open yeah. it up a little bit. Like I, I, you know, I'd love to see it. But, you, you know, along those yeah. lines, though, it's funny that you mentioned Tampa. Because they're kind of back in the news again, and I'm wondering how people are going to react to this. Now, as we're recording this late on uh, on, on on Monday morning Eastern time, Eastern Standard Time, we don't know what the deal is with Nikita Kucherov, but he got hurt on Saturday night, and I wonder if hockey fans are going to be like, "Here we go again," like with the eye rolls. Like, will people like if the Tampa Bay Lightning put Nikita Kucherov? On long-term injured reserve, and this is a guy who basically missed the whole season last year to uh, recover from a hip injury. Uh, then he just, you know, to some people's opinion, he magically reappeared when the cap didn't matter. Tampa wins the cup. Will people be accusing Tampa of going down the same path again, Haley? Or will people be suspicious here? I mean, probably. Like, people were so mad about that. I, I don't think they're going to forget about it. Um so, yeah, I think people probably will. I've already seen a couple of tweets saying, um, you know, Nikita Kucherov goes on LTIR and the Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> trade for Jack Eichel and it all fits under the cap by the playoffs. So I've already seen a couple of those. I think people who were, you know, truly upset about that um, are not over it yet. And they're just like, oh, great. Yeah, I think there are people already who are like, oh, here we go again. They're clearing cap space. 
to get Jack Eichel for the playoffs. Uh, I, I think it would be, I guess he missed the whole regular season last year due to surgery, but that was yeah. 56 game season. You know, do you really want to not have Nikita Kucherov for 82 games after you lost your entire third line? That was like a, a really important piece of your roster. I, I just, you know, and I don't even think that the Tampa Bay Lightning were cheating last year. That's the one thing I should say is they did what was in the rules that the league set out. And if people don't like that, then you can't yell at the Tampa Bay Lightning. You yell at the league. Um, they were doing what's allowed, in my in my opinion. You know, who cares? Um, but I think people are probably going to be a little bit, you know, if the, if the Lightning go out and make some big move, it's going to be like, oh, oh, come on. Again? Really? But, yeah, I, I just – I don't think it's this big cheating scandal. Yeah, I, and, and – and- Boy, you you know what where, where you were really accurate there is like in a fifty six game season, you could probably try to get through. Boy, eighty two games is going to be tough. Especially, I look again. I love how our I'm going to say our Florida Panthers have come out of the gates. They're looking good. They've won two games. Like uh, that's going to be a tough division. I think that's going to be a really tough division to finish in first place because I think there's a couple teams there in Florida and Toronto that'll really give uh, Tampa a run for their money. And if if you're the Lightning, boy, you don't. I don't think you want to see the Panthers in the first round of the playoffs again this year, do you? Like, uh, I think uh, that was that was a tough that was a tough go. Anyway, it, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what happens with Kucherov. But you'll forgive, I guess, you'll forgive NHL fans for being super cynical because we're all cynical to begin with. As hockey fans, we're cynical by nature, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I. I don't. I'm just. I, I don't know. I think I'm just always cranky now. I don't know. Just now just you're only cranky, cranky or you always because earlier in the show you said, you know, maybe I'm just getting older. Old and cranky. And cranky. I'm like, well, what does that make me? If you're old and cranky, I'm like, I don't even want to know. I'm older probably like and 18 less years older than you, I think, or something like that. So you're older but less cranky. Really? Okay. I'll take that. I'm definitely the rude one. The curmudgeon. Of, of this the curmudgeon duo. of the two. You're a, isn't yeah. there a, is there, yeah. Can we call you the young? From now on, I'm going to call you. And uh, joining me now for the podcast is always a noted young curmudgeon. Or how about yeah, curmudgeon? Yeah. If I made you a curmudgeon in training t shirt, maybe that's, you know what? We need I'd to wear. start cr- developing merch for this show. Curmudgeon in Who would training. Who would buy that? What's some of the other weird stuff I've, we've talked about <laughs> on here? We could make yeah, exactly. ice cube t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Under the fridge, kicking it under the fridge. Drop the cube. Drop the cube. Oh, God. Team cube. Oh, God. Yeah. Team cube. Team kick. <gasps> Team kick. Team kick versus yeah, it's like, see, it's you know, we'll Twilight all over we'll, again. We'll, we'll, we'll get on our... Uh, our uh, staff at The Athletic uh, to, to come up with, with merch. We need some merch. We need some merch. With Canadian flags on them all. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that the Tuesday show is going to have, you know, Bald Eagle and Mount Rushmore and, like, Jack Eichel with fireworks. And <laughs> what else would they have there? Like I'm trying to think of American things, but I can't because I live in Canada. <laughs> Which, by the way, we are now permitted. Like, are you taking any trips to the United States? I am. Uh, road trip. So, or you're going with the Flames? Where are you going? Uh, Detroit, and I'm not going to tell Craig Custance that I'm going to be there. Okay, because he's been really rude. 
<laughs> gonna go to Washington, uh, Pittsburgh, and then the LA trip in December. Those are the US ones that I've kind of booked for myself. Oh, very nice. I've never, that's one of the only arenas I haven't been to is uh, Detroit's, the, the Little Caesars Arena is one of the, the only ones I haven't great. been to. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking I, at some point. Apparently I don't, they have good snacks. That's the best part about being back in the rank semi-normal is the treats in the press box. Has you, have you guys gotten your press box popcorn back in no, Ottawa? No, the pandemic has put it oh. in, the hot dogs, and popcorn. But you know what I saw that what? was, yeah, there's nothing. We got candy. I was in Edmonton on the weekend and there was runts. There was runts and M&Ms in little individual cups and popcorn. Hold on, and I is, went that, for, is that politically correct? I don't know. Should we be calling them runts anymore? I don't know, Haley. I, <laughs> Look at your face. I'm joking. <laughs> Going after Sue and Willy Wonka now. <laughs> trying to can- Haley, I'm trying to cancel Willy Wonka. You better get on board here. Uh, you know, you know, so I don't know if you follow, I know he's a super polarizing guy on, on, uh, on Twitter, but Darren Rovell is, uh, kind of a sports business guy, right? Okay. He tweeted out about the Ottawa senators this morning. And I had no idea that they've added this to their menu inside the arena this season. Okay. It's called nacho pierogies. So basically it's pierogies that are topped with like nacho cheese, like in like, like that liquid nacho cheese, bacon, okay, green right. onions, sour cream, salsa, and cheese. Pierogi nachos, in or out? Wait, are there tortilla chips in there too? No, the pierogies How are. How are you supposed to pick all that up? You uh, use a fork. So you have to a use a fork, and yeah. then you just try to get a bite with. I don't like that. Pierogi no, nachos. I'm out. I don't like it. No, nachos are handheld. Don't put something in the nacho. I'm getting upset. Yeah. You don't, you don't put something in the, you can't call it nachos if you need a knife and fork. You can't. Okay, but they're called, or they're gotta use your hands. Nacho pierogies at Ottawa Senators game. I went to the game. I missed the main no. story. Here I was focused on the action on the ice. And meanwhile, the biggest story was in playing itself out in the concession. I stands. don't like it. They're not nachos. They're pierogies with nacho toppings on it. They're not nachos. Okay. Nachos are named after the nacho chip. Haley has spoken. I'm upset. We should. Haley has <laughs> this spoken. This is the way. We should talk about food more often. Oh my gosh, I think yeah. that would make me a lot happier. Yeah, there we go. There we go. This is the crazy. first time I've I smiled love those, in years. I love those crazy food items, though. Like when you see, they're like, here's like, and usually it's like in Texas. Here's some deep fried or, butter. Yeah, deep fried <laughs> Snickers. I actually tried a deep fried Snickers bar once. At a f- really? one of those country county fairs, it was very good. But have you ever seen like you like oh new this season at like Diabetes. the Dallas Stars game? It's like a donut burger, right. and it's like a hamburger with the you cronut. Know. Yeah. Do you remember the cronut? Cronut was big like five or six years ago. Yeah. I like that though. I, I like sick from it. I like going to sporting events and trying something really unique. Like I don't want to just go and have a hot dog. That makes you feel like crap after. You know what I had once at a Seattle Mariners game. <laughs> Uh, toasted chili lime grasshoppers. <laughs> I'll text you the picture afterwards. I was into it at first until you said grasshopper. So I like chili lime you, flavor. You had I had you had toasted chili lime. It could have been had anything me in the else. First half. <laughs> could have been anything else. Grasshoppers was a non-go. Non-certified. It was crunchy. It was eat. almost like just eating peanuts or something. 
For sure. It was cr- Did you just have a I'll, bag of grasshoppers? Uh, yeah, it was a cup, a little cup at a Mariners game. I'll text you a picture and you'll Don't be like, show me the, no. yeah, I'm going to 100% oh, okay. I'm texting you the picture. <laughs> I don't need to see it. Yeah. But I love I that. Know. Like, I I'm... love little signature items at, at sporting events. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I'm celiac, so it saves me from all that oh, stuff. Oh, you're good. Like, grasshoppers are, are uh, gluten free. You're good. Not if they're deep fried. No. <laughs> I'm sure there's gluten in their little wings. You know what? We were we were talking about catch catchphrases that we want to put on t-shirts. I'm gonna I'm gonna say grasshoppers are gluten free and we're gonna make it trend and people are like, that's awesome. These guys are hilarious. Let's make a t-shirt. Grasshoppers are gluten free. Athletic hockey show. Oh no. Uh, I will not be wearing that. No. No. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, you know what, though? As always, Haley, and this has been a super fun show, we got to wrap it up with a little multiple-choice madness here, okay? So three questions, and uh, look, it's early. We want to make sure we tell people it's super early. But Mm -hmm. first week of the regular season, there's some some fan bases and teams that might be having their finger uh, hovering over the panic button, shall we say? Here's my first question. In multiple choice madness here on this Monday. Uh, Haley, which team or player should be most concerned uh, after things played out the way they did in the first week of the regular season? Is it A, the Montreal Canadiens? B, Carter Hart, goalie of the Philadelphia Flyers, who kind of had a tough go in his first game? C, the Chicago Blackhawks? Or D, the New York Islanders? Haley, who should be most concerned after week one of the regular season? Mm hmm. Uh- <sighs> I already kind of touched on the Islanders. Like, I, I think it's uh, easy to kind of look at who they're playing against and say, okay, you know what, it's fine. They're, they're playing against some some good teams. So to go 0-2 against the Canes and Panthers is fine. Um, I mean, I think maybe the Blackhawks are probably a team that's concerned. Our friend of the show, Mark Lazarus, had a, a really great piece on the unacceptable start for the Blackhawks season. I, I think – they went out and made all these changes. They, you know, they didn't have to give up a ton um, to bring in some of the pieces that they did. They got Mark Andre Fleury. Um, they made this big swing on Seth Jones and paid him a ton of money. Um, Kirby Doc's back. Jonathan Taves is back. Um, I think there was a lot of people who were expecting that team to, you know, this is going to be a. They're going to contend again. Like all of a sudden, great off season in the black in, in Chicago is back in it. Um, <laughs> hasn't looked like that's going to happen. Um, again, it's early, things can change, but I'm probably going to say Chicago because of just how much they committed and how much they did. And I think the expectation that things were going to be different and better, but they are not. Boy, I, you know what? And I'm sorry, I, I'm willing to definitely give Carter Hart some room here. Like, hey, it was a tough go with the, the opener against Vancouver, yeah. a couple of weird goals on him, but like, hey, it was one game. I'm really debating between the Habs and the Islanders, though. And you know what? The Habs, to me, 
I think it is the, the fan base is full fledged panic, and obviously they're not they're not going to have Carey Price to start the season, and that hurts. Um, it just it feels like it's not headed in the right direction, going winless in three. But let me let me just make a case for the Islanders here, and I know that they're they're probably the best coach team in the league, and we shouldn't worry. But Haley, they're starting the season with a 13 game road trip, and I feel like we don't talk about this enough. Right, 13 games in a row on the road. That's right. Before they play a home game, which I, they're going to open up their new arena. Actually, they open it against Calgary, don't they? Um, that new arena, I think. I think so. I could be yeah, wrong, I but anyway, so. that's not on your list of yep. trips. You're not going to the new UBS arena in uh, in New no. York. Okay. Well, anyway. Would you not be concerned, like to me, starting the season with 13 straight road games? I don't know. Like I, I like I'm worried about that. Yeah. Like if I'm the Islanders, I just want to come out of it 500 and now losing the first two games. So for me, it's more about the obstacles that the Islanders have to face that I'm a little bit worried about. That, but I, 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 I hear you. Chicago's in trouble. The Habs might be in trouble. I'll, I'll throw a vote in there uh, for the Islanders. Let me ask you this next question here, um, because Max Pacioretty is out. Uh, for 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 Vegas, and you know Dom when he does his um, kind of projections for for probabilities and stuff, things shift. And already now in the first week of the season, all of a sudden here come the Edmonton Oilers. Maybe Edmonton's the favorite. Let me ask you this, Haley: um, Who do you think is going to win the Pacific Division now? Is it A the Vegas Golden Knights, B the Edmonton Oilers, or C somebody else in that division? Um, I'm probably going to, for now, from what I've seen, I'm probably going to go with the Oilers. I think, um, again, <laughs> it sounds like a broken record. It is early. Um, I thought from what I saw, I was in Edmonton over the weekend for the flame season opener. I thought Mike Smith actually looked really solid. He didn't give up a ton of second chances. Um, he made 45 saves in the win. Um, McDavid, you can tell he's been working on his one timer. So you've got the best player in the world who just added to his repertoire. Um, you know, they're healthy right now. You've got Zach Hyman in the mix, um, who, who's right now playing on, on the second line. So, you know, the Oilers have, you know, two dangerous lines right now. Their power play is still one of the best in the league. They can kill penalties. And again, they're healthy and Vegas is not. So I, I just think there's probably too many injuries and question marks with Vegas right now to confidently say that they're going to win the division. And Edmonton kind of has... They check a ton of boxes right now. Yeah, like what great start for the Oilers, like you said, McDavid working on that one timer in the faceoff dot, uh, as if this guy needed another weapon in his arsenal uh, to yeah. uh, to uh, worry defenders. I'm going to stick with Vegas only because look, they've they've been very consistent last couple of years, and I know look, Pacioretty, Stone, some of these guys have been banged up, but. Boy, like for me, until I see it for 82 games from Edmonton, and I and I do believe in them. I do think that they have the the talent. I still think I don't want to be swayed by the first week of the season too much. Uh, I said Vegas was going to win this division, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. I think I'll stick with that. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think it's interesting. Like we talked about this off the top of the show. L.A. looks like they might be an interesting, fun team to watch. The Kraken are out of the mm -hmm. gates with, you know, three points in three games. Uh, you know, anyway, it, this is going to be a fun division. I think that it, we thought it was going to be the weakest division, and that could still be the case. But I think it might be a fun division to watch uh, at the very least in 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 the next few months to see how this plays out. So that's what I'll go with that. Let me let me do this to wrap up the show, Haley. Okay. We had one Sunday game on the docket yesterday, and it was a five o'clock mm -hmm. start in Ottawa local time. So here's my question to you. 
Um, because obviously the NHL doesn't want to schedule a ton of Sunday games for obvious reasons. I think they don't want to go head to head with the NFL. Here's my mm-hmm. question to wrap up this edition of multiple choice madness this Monday uh, edition of the athletic hockey show. What time Haley should NHL games start on Sundays? Is it a, they should be early afternoon games. So like 12 noon or one o'clock local time. Should it be B? You know what? Let's go with late afternoon, a four o'clock game, a five o'clock game. That's perfect. Should it be C, the late game, like an evening game, 7 o'clock, local time, maybe even 7.30? Or D, you know what? The NHL should completely avoid any Sunday games like in the fall and early winter, meaning don't play on Sundays during NFL season. Then when you get to January, February, have at it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if it's – like realistic to, to say D I mean, that's probably the ideal one. So you're just not competing at all, but I don't think that's realistic. I, I think it's interesting. Like the way that the schedule makers have to do things is like, I know that the schedule makers have to take that into account of like certain teams who say like, no, we don't want our home games during Sundays during the NFL season because people aren't going to buy tickets because they're going to be at home watching football. So that's like a thing that teams will say, like, do yeah. not schedule us at home on a Sunday afternoon because we're not going to make any money off of it. So I always feel for the schedule makers in the league. Um, D's probably the ideal one, but I just don't, again, I don't think that's realistic. So, um, God, I don't know. Usually the Sunday night football game has been great. Maybe late afternoons, the play, because you kind of have that pocket between the early games at 11 and the late game. Sometimes the the kind of middle of the day games are kind of blah. I don't know if, about you, but when I'm watching football, I'm watching the 11 a.m. games. What? Then I take Stop a little break, and then time. I nobody is watching 11 a.m. Oh, right. <laughs> you and Shoot. your mountain time talk. Confused. They're one o'clock games. One o'clock you know game. What? Four o'clock game. Eight o'clock game. Okay, <laughs> I, I would probably say the fork. <laughs> The I like the first game and the last game, and I take a break in between. So I think if you did the hockey in between, that would be like, like a, a okay, it's like game. a little football. It's like a little football sandwich. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really tough. Like it, it is, and you know what I was really curious about. I would love to know what are the Dallas Stars local TV numbers from Sunday because the Dallas Cowboys oh played New England at four twenty five Eastern Time Sunday. The Dallas Stars. Uh, had a puck drop 30 minutes later. Like that, that's not ideal, yeah. right? Like if you're the Dallas Stars, yeah. you don't ever want to be going up. So I, I like, I'm with you though. I think a late afternoon game seems to be the best, like say five o'clock local times. So that way, like in theory, like and let's use a team like Buffalo, for example. And let's say you're the Sabres and you know the Bills are playing at one o'clock. Well, if you want to have a home game, maybe five o'clock is the way to do it because that way – Fans have either attended or watched the Bills game at you know at, at one o'clock. They're able to get to your game. Like it's boy, it's tough though. I'm with you. I think most teams just want to avoid it completely, right? I I would think so. But it's not logistically. It just you can't take out one day of the schedule and expect them to cram 82 games in. But um, no, yeah, yeah. Anyway, hey, listen, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, enjoy the week coming up. So you got your first home game. For Calgary, uh, coming up here on Monday, so that that should be fun, and you're going to get a full attendance, right? Or like potential for a full capacity now for a Flames game should be fun. Yeah, yeah, I, it'll be cool. I've never, um, I mean, I, I had a 
I went to Calgary when I was on the Sens beat on the road, but you know, it's been, uh, I guess, 18 months since I've seen a full, I mean, even more than that, it's been a couple of years since I've been in the saddle dome with a full building. So it'll be a cool atmosphere for sure. And, um, I, I know a lot of fans are excited and, and the players and, and Daryl Sutter's excited too. So I think everyone's been missing the fans for sure. Yeah. Listen, it's, uh, it's uh, going to be a pretty fun week of hockey. Like we said, Austin Matthews comes back. Brady Kachuk comes back. A whole bunch of great storylines from around the league. And I'm sure, listen, the guys on the uh, the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show will get you covered there. Uh, that does it for us. So, Haley, I want you to just think about some potential slogans that you want us to put on T-shirts. And don't sleep on oh grasshoppers or gluten-free. Okay, don't sleep on that. That's I think we terrible. Can, we, can, yeah. we can do something uh, for it. But listen, we'd love to hear from our uh, listeners too on some uh, some fun hashtags that we've uh, created out of this show. And thanks for listening to this edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating. Leave us a, a review. You know, we certainly appreciate that. Uh, you can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on uh, Apple Podcasts. Get all the bonus content from our entire library, entire network. You start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can get an annual subscription to The Athletic for 50% off when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.